1: the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and people.
1: On today's podcast, we discuss America is not in the heart, and who's today's Filipino, Filipina, Filipinex individual in the diaspora, as all a tribute to Filipino American Heritage Month to our friends and colleagues in the United States. Before we get into our main topic for this season opener for (laughs) season four, let's get right into it, Sigs. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Two words. Emmy winning Ted Lasso the show Mm. have you watched the show no I haven't actually I've heard like such amazing things about how it conveys kindness and warmth and compassion and so that's what I've been hearing about it it's certainly on our list of things to watch
0: I'm going to be very quick about it I was sad when Shit's Creek ended but when you find a show like Ted Lasso it gives me joy it is kind it is so true I honestly think Kuya, put it in your queue I think we will do a spotlight in season four sometime, like probably Mm, in the spring. It's well needed during this time. And I quote our our wonderful Tim Frontera. The show came out when we needed it. And it's Mm. alarmingly true. It's on Apple TV. I highly recommend it. We will have a lot, I think we will have a nice little episode and tie it into our culture. But I I'll put it on the back burner at the moment. But Ted Lasso. I'll have to watch that. Love it. Wow. Well, when I have to be like, I, I guess I got to get Kleenex out, like, because <laughs> I'm crying. Nothing else, you pervs oh. out there. But honestly, it's a feel good show. It's wonderful. And I, I have to laugh. And if you watch the Emmys this like September, well deserved. It was fantastic. What have you been, though? watching or been up to pop culture-wise, Kuya?
1: Well, you know, in my notes here, I say I've been watching the morning show. And of course, we're going to be talking about that in one of our taste tests uh, coming coming up. But I recently just discovered a game show called The Hustler by Craig Ferguson. And I just have to tell you, I'm just suddenly in love with it. It's been around actually for a season and a bit. They're about to finish off, if not already finished off their second season. And the premise of this game Uh is you are invited to Craig Ferguson's study. And in (laughs) it is that, I know, it's the most random thing. And in it, you are matched up with like, I think, six players. But amongst those six players, one of them is the hustler out for themselves. Okay. And there are 10 clues and then 10 questions about pop culture. (laughs) I know
0: Okay what, ten p- what Where's the streaming What show What, show, what It's t- on ABC Okay <laughs> I'm this listening. Is the funniest thing. Yeah.
1: I have to tell you Like so you know I'm probably one of the few people That still haven't cut the cord Right Same. And I think part of it Is just for nostalgia and But news. I was kind of like <laughs> Looking around And then I just discovered Michael and I discovered This show called The Hustler And so it was like What is this about yeah. And then I was just So hooked And okay. now I've had to Like find season one Because it's like I need to watch more of this But the way that it goes Is, is that the clues Are based on The Hustler Okay You know And and the 10 questions, the hustler already knows the answer to because they're somewhat based on them or their lives or oh. whatever the case may be. Right? right. So, for example, like this person has participated in exorcisms. And oh. it's like, and then they ask questions of each other. It's like, oh, what do you do for a living? And blah, 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 blah. And then they start accusing each other. So, there's a bit of social deception. There's a bit of psychology required. Mm. Pop culture is required. Yeah. Game playing. Mm. The mechanics are wonderful. I was just like, oh. So then, As they go... The hustler will either help them mm-hmm. or not help them win money. So each time they get a pop culture question right, they get ten thousand in the pot, oh. and it keeps building to hundred thousand. However, there are times that sometimes the hustler will sabotage things to throw the scent off of them. And the hustler, at some point, mm-hmm. has the right to throw out two players at two times in the process, oh. leaving people down to four. Or sorry, I guess they start off with five. So then it it, it actually leaves them down to three. And then at the end, Mm -hmm. they have to figure out who's the hustler. And if the two people that are still remaining are right in terms of figuring out the hustler, then they split the pot. Oh, nice. And if they're wrong, then the hustler walks away with all the money.
0: Oh, I was going to say, then how does, what's the main motive? Well, get the cash. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, it is actually quite interesting. And so it's like a really good kind of like TV dinner type of show to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's quite entertaining. And yet at the same time, it's like, how do you outsmart people? So it's like that Anderson Cooper game, The Mole. Oh my God. But, you know, Throwback. meets Jeopardy meets a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh my and gosh. I'm like, oh. Like, Anyways, so really enamored by The Hustler. I can't believe I've only just discovered it now, but that's what I've been watching. I have even other, heard about it. Wow. I know. Go check it out. It, like, I'm it's just, watch it's it. just interesting if you can find, uh, find a copy of it. The yeah. other thing that I've been watching is because it's anticipation of what I guess would be a revival right. is Michael and I have been reviewing and catching up on Dexter in uh, anticipation of the sequel uh, event series called Dexter New Blood. That's right. So if you recall Dexter, it was set in Miami and New Blood is set somewhere in the Northern United States where it's all in the snow or takes place in the snow. And I think that this is Showtime's way of maybe making up to the fans that were sorely disappointed upset. at very upset about in the terms ending? of what happened ah. at, yeah, in, in the ending and stuff like that. But I think at some point Michael and I had actually stopped watching it and more specifically Michael stopped watching it. Because <laughs> because Rita died unfortunately and if I'm boiling this for anybody it's, an it's, old it's, show, like it's I, all good. I, <laughs> yeah so in any event that's what I've been kind of up to pop culture wise is kind of reviewing that so that when Dexter new blood drops we'll be prepared to kind of watch and kind of see how they make up to Dexter and to Dexter's fans the season debacle or the series debacle for the original series That's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Now, Kuya, you did mention at the top of the show that it is Filipino-American Heritage Month in the United States in the month of October. And we are focusing for this month of October, our full episodes are focusing on two novels. So the novel you read for this episode is America is Not the Heart by Elaine Castillo. Take me yes. through it.
1: Yeah, so America is Not in the Heart, again, written by Elaine Castillo, published in 2018. And this is her first novel that's been described by the New York Times as an epic intergenerational story of such proportions. Mm-hmm. And I find what, what's really interesting is actually it's a play on another book, or at least the title is a play or wordplay on another book by Carlos Bulosan which is America is in the heart. And that chronicles, if you will, an immigration story of struggle and strife, something that we're Mm -hmm. very familiar with, and how that main character, Alos, comes to California. Here, something very similar happens also chronicling, but updated when this character comes to town. And that's essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. Like a new character comes to town. There aren't that many different, like, you know stories out there, but you know some stories are like you know a twist occurs, and other stories, you know, like in this particular novel, is about oh someone new is coming to an area, and then how uh-huh. does it affect everybody? So in this case, Elaine writes about Hironima de Vera. So sometimes she's known as Atahiro, the hero? <laughs> and, and so you know Hironima in some ways, or sometimes she's affectionately called by her uncle Nimang and. She leaves the Philippines after being disowned by her wealthy parents after dropping out of medical school, Oof. and we're yes, I know, and we're unsure as to why she might have originally dropped out of medical school, and she then decides to kind of refashion and reinvent herself by joining her favorite uncle, who used to be an orthopedic surgeon in the Philippines himself, mm-hmm. and joins his family in Milpitas, California, to help babysit there. 8-year-old, actually namesake, also had anima, but they call her Ronnie. And along the way we meet Ronnie's mother, Paz, who decides to send Ronnie as well as Hero to a faith healer because Ronnie has a really bad case of eczema that seems to have (gasps) run in the Devera family, apparently. Mm -hmm. And then as she's sent over to a local plaza that has this faith healer, Hero slowly becomes part of that community that gathers at this restaurant mm-hmm. that's owned by the faith healer and her husband. And then the faith healer's name is Adela. And so, and as they kind of come, they find community there and it's interesting because i think oh this is about kind of like about community but then halfway through we find out that it's actually a romance and oh. the the granddaughter of the faith healer uh, her name is Roslyn and she's she's a makeup artist and we find out about her past and how through Roslyn eventually finds out that um Atahiro Mm -hmm. ended up supporting NPA, which is a communist revolutionary party. Oh, So depending where you are, they might be seen as a communist revolutionary party, so it stands for the New People's Army, Uh or they might be seen as a terrorist party, depending. And that why she needed to leave med school in some ways had to do with that, and how eventually we find out that she was tortured and captured by the Marcos regime. Oh my gosh. And how at the end of the day, they had brutally actually injured her thumbs, basically, making it impossible to actually do surgery. Oh my God. And she was planning to follow in her uncle's footsteps, Tito Pol, to be an orthopedic surgeon. Now, I have to say, Sigs, it was, you know, it's an interesting read. It's not the most easiest read, only simply because I was looking for quotations and commas. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because some interviews that I found with Elaine Castillo was that that was intentionally done. And it kind of makes me think about how it harkens to the idea of explanatory comma. And I know that you and I have talked a little bit about that in our retreat. Mm -hmm. So listeners, what you should know about the explanatory comma Mm -hmm. is, is that sometimes when you're reading things, you read things and you know that it's not meant for you, even though it's about your life in some ways. So, for example, it's about telling the details of a particular story if you don't know what those details are about. So, you know, Atahiro is from Vegan City, a northwest coast city of Luzon, right? So that <laughs> explanatory comma part is like, well, if you don't know where Vegan City is in the Philippines, here, I'll tell you what it is. I'll explain it to you. And for someone that knows where Vegan City is, it just automatically checks you out all of a sudden. And it makes you think to yourself, well, is this story written for me or is this story written for someone else to explain stuff? It was both interesting and refreshing and yet unnerving at the same time to kind of (laughs) figure out things that weren't being explained to me. I'd have to say probably 80% of things were explained to me. And then there were just some stuff that I just didn't know about. And it was like, like when they were referencing some musics, it was like, Oh, that's cr- that's really interesting. I grew up in the same time period that they were referencing. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, it was like, these are all new wave bands that I don't know anything, anything about, about. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah, and it was just kind of like, or these were like punk rock bands that I knew nothing about. And I had to kind of look them up. Mm-hmm. And so I found I had to have like my Wikipedia page open oh, you- <laughs> to figure out who are these songs that they're referencing. And it just made me think about six how you know, where you are in the diaspora as a Filipina or a Filipino or Philippinex individual really does matter because your frame of reference is a little bit different. Yes, And so like what we listen to in Southwestern Ontario is going to be different from someone that lives in the Bay in California or someone in Brooklyn for that matter or anywhere else around this world outside of the Philippines. So that was really interesting to have to kind of go through, but it was also refreshing too simply because, oh, like, look, you know, I know that you know that I know what I'm reading about, (laughs) if that makes sense. And it was like, and that didn't need to be explained. And it was like, I felt like Elaine was writing to me or talking to me specifically. And that was kind of refreshing. It was like, she actually has me as part of her audience that she's writing to. And I just thought, oh, that's really special. And I know that some people with varying degrees of our heritage may understand some of what she's saying or not what she's saying. But it was just kind of like, oh, she didn't explain the florist de Mayo. She just talked about it. You know, she didn't Mm -hmm. explain some of the language code switching that she'd be doing. She just mentioned it, right? Mm -hmm. And you know how sometimes when you read some places and then they reference their language of origin and then they simultaneously right after tell you what what was just said Mm -hmm. and interpret it? None of that, right? And I was just thinking, my goodness, if I was just a strict English reader who had no knowledge of Filipino, I'd have to be looking up all of this. And I just thought, oh, how wonderful. So it really kept me in the story at the same time. It was just nice to see her kind of acknowledge that sometimes you just don't need to explain things and that you had to work for it. And so I appreciated that about this book is that it got me to work for it, Um, And then for our audience members out there that don't know anything about what I'm talking about with respect to explanatory comma, I would really encourage you all to find the Code Switch episodes that talks about how an explanatory comma is sometimes a necessary evil. You know, it's like you put in an explanatory comma to expand your audience. But when you expand your audience, the people, you start to kind of fail to reach the niche that you really want. I felt really, if you will, exceptional or special feeling like, oh, I know these things that Elaine is writing about and I don't feel like I'm checked out. I feel like I'm right there with her. <clears throat> now, there were things that were written in Ilecano or Pangasina. and oh, again, no I, had to, I, I had to use, things in Tagalog were fine, right? But when it was Ilecano, it was like, right. oh, I know I'm not reading Tagalog. And it was like, I just put it into the Google Translate. And I have to tell you, I'm just amazed that the Google Translate how accurate. Will automatically say language detect and says detecting dot 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 and then suddenly it will say detecting dot 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 bangasinan right? Oh my and it was just kind of like thank God for Google Translate is kind of what I was thinking. So I I want to take a pause there. I don't know if you have any reactions or things to ask me in, in terms of this book that I'm kind of recounting for Filipino American Heritage Month.
0: I just sort of like the way that you had a bit of a relationship with the book saying I'm there. I'm taken mm. there, I didn't need the, the little bit of expository, and it's interesting, right, because you want to have a window into other cultures and stuff, and you want to explain, but sometimes too, whatever, when it becomes to so people of that culture, we are familiar with it, and it does right. detract. I remember when you explained to me the explanatory comma, and I was like, ah, I see right. or I hear or I've seen it in our in podcasts and I you know with our fellow filipino brethren and stuff and I, it's very interesting cuz now I notice it more and more
1: yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like I was expecting when the whole section on the Florist de Mayo came up, I was expecting some type of expository statement mm-hmm. saying, the Florist de Mayo is blah, you know, blah, blah, A blah. religious celebration mm-hmm. that takes place in the month of May that's really important for Filipino Catholics, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it didn't happen, right? Or like not explicitly. And I just thought, oh, that's really refreshing. Like you really are writing to me. And in some ways, Elaine Castillo is being very brave saying, you know, if you are someone outside of the culture, go figure it out. You know, go figure it out. Like, you're not going to slum here, right? I I, I love it. I I love it. And I I feel it. Yeah, yeah, and and I'd seen one of her interviews for the San Francisco Public Library, and she was just talking about how we go to BIPOC writers to learn about specifics, but we go to white writers for feelings. You know, and I just thought, Hmm. oh... That's really interesting. It's just like she's really trying to upset and trouble that idea where it's like, well, and she had said in that interview, too, for the San Francisco Public Library, well, why is it that someone's writing about Brooklyn, you know, or that movie Brooklyn, for example, uh, about Irish settlers, Irish settlers and stuff yep. like that? Like no one's doing any expository statements on the potato Irish famine or it anything just like is. that? It It just just is. is. And you need to go figure that out if you don't know what that's about and how that impacted people and all of that stuff. And it's like, so she's like saying, go figure it out. Like, figure it out why this immigration experience is the way it is if you don't understand it. And for everyone that does understand it, this story is written for you. Yeah, this is not for the faint of heart. It takes a bit of, if you will, fortitude to read this if you are not someone too familiar with Filipino culture or heritage. But I don't say this to kind of, scare people away I just kind of say you know you need to be prepared to kind of chew things it's like hard candy you know hard candy you gotta work at it it's still good but you just got to work at it as opposed to like cotton candy where it's like, Oh, it dissolves your mouth. It's easy. There's a time and place for both. But I just thought to myself, Oh, like you want me to work for this or you want people to work for this. So bravo to Elaine Castiglia for that. The other thing that I wanted to mention too, was, and I alluded to this at the beginning of the segment, which is, it is a play on Carlos Boulasson's seminal work, America is in the heart. And it references, and that book is all about referencing identity Mm -hmm. and that, Identities Born Out of Suffering and a Quest for Freedom, which is what I think Carlos Bulosan's whole book is about, is what America stands for. And it's so appropriate that we're talking about this for Filipino American Heritage Month. But Castillo references how, in this case, Atahiro's heart not only includes the America that Bulosan writes about, but also includes the island of Luzon across the entire Pacific Ocean. And that our hearts don't just contain one country or one cultural tradition, mm-hmm. even if we've moved across countries or moved across multiple countries. Right. In fact, we end up inheriting and having in our hearts all these different countries, whether you live there or not. Oh, right? exactly. Like I'm sure my nephews and nieces, I'm sure your kids there's a bit of the Philippines in them, whether they know it or not. And there's a bit of Canada in them, whether they know it or not. And I thought that that was just a really beautiful way to kind of encapsulate thematically what she was trying to capture here is that America is not only in the heart. It's true. The Philippines is also in the heart. And any other experiences that you've had there, I just thought that that was fascinating. That was interesting and is very much on brand in terms of what we talk about here at the Hollow Hollow podcast. We'll set, we'll put. In terms of this immigration stories, what I liked about this story too was that all of these different fillings of your heart, if you will, again, more than just America, more than just the Philippines and any other experiences, is, is that this was one expression of being Filipinex. Mm-hmm. And I think what Elaine Castillo makes us think about is at least for me, who is today's Filipinex or Mm -hmm. Filipina or Filipino? I was just thinking to myself, like, we're starting to move beyond immigration stories. And I think that that's kind of what Elaine Castillo was trying to do is, yes, You know, Atahiro came over and was struggling and she was dealing with, if you will, some of her PTSD when she was being tortured by the Marcos regime and having to move beyond those struggles and having to build wealth. And I was just thinking that Castilio is an example of trying to tell other stories beyond the typical immigration story of struggling. And I think to myself and ourselves that, you know, Mary Beth Badian, you know, the person that provides editorial feedback for us is another example that both writers Are pushing for complex stories that, again, don't allow a casual visitor to their text, to the worlds that they're building, to just slum in it. It really challenges us. And I just think to myself, that's who's in, I think, today's, who makes up today's Filipinex or Filipina person in the diaspora is that they're pushing beyond these immigration stories i don't know if you've got any thoughts about no, that. no i agree
0: with you i think there's a big change especially like generationally like when i'm growing up and now when my kids grow up they're seeing so many more different like unique stories of not just you know immigrating to canada or the united states that people are taking up spaces and they yeah. happen to be filipino like for example us open who was in the semi-final? Who was in, in the finals? Layla Fernandez, who I happened to follow on Instagram maybe like a year ago. Because right. I was looking. I'm like, are there other Filipino athletes? And I found Crispin Dennis, who's an archer. Then I found her. I was like, oh, she's a tennis player. And we knew right. something's brewing. But she just showed, like, this is another uh, happens to be Filipino taking up space in sports. You know, right, you just saw right. it. you're like, oh, from Montreal, hey, even better, like, wow.
1: Sigs, I was about to get you to do an explanatory comma, but you just did it right there. She's from Montreal, she's Filipina and Ecuadorian, I
0: think it was? I think That's it cool. is, and I think she just stirred up where, oh, Naomi Osaka lost to Leila, oh, wait mm. a minute, I said, hey, Layla Fernandez, she's Filipino and Canadian, and just taking up this space, and like, it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think today's Filipino Filipina Filipinax individual is moving beyond those typical immigration stories of yes. struggle. We're getting to more complex stories. We're occupying places that mm-hmm. we don't traditionally have seen ourselves and so Leila Fernandez is one and I think just recently we just here in Canada yep. experienced an election and it was great for a former podcast visitor and guest, Arechi Valdez who won her seat for to be member of parliament for Mississauga Streetsville and I was just so thrilled to see her get elected and to be one of these first Filipinos, uh, Filipina to be in government and so like Even moving beyond noble professions, and Retchy is a really great example. And I would say, I think she's in episode three hundred eight. I think it is. And I would say, listeners, like listen to her story. A, she has an incredible immigration story. But B, you know, I loved what she said to us in that episode last season where I checked off all the boxes and I still wasn't happy. When here she is pursuing politics and is now in politics, and I have no doubt that she's thrilled and happy. And just seeing her victory and her speech thereafter on Instagram, just seeing her and hearing how happy she is, just shows us this is where we need to be going, like even beyond the noble professions. I'm sure you you saw that too. First Filipina
0: like MP, it's amazing. And even in the episode 308, I love that she said, you know, I've been in corporate. I decided to follow, to do creative and baking and being part of branding and being part of Crane. And she's like, I want more. I want to do more. And I'm going to take that risk. And right. I just really respected it. And I loved hearing about it. Right. Like she's in our age range and she's like, you know, I really thought about it. So really very thoughtful. And you're right. she be, you know, beyond those noble you know, professions. She's choosing a job, which influences many people. Not just us as Filipinas, as Canadians, right?
1: And yet politics, you know, I think our culture might not necessarily have thought of politics as a way of helping people. Right. But I think to myself, what is a great way of helping people at a broad level, but through policy and politics? And how many times have you and I on this podcast alluded to institutional racism in- That's great. You know, Has either been perpetuated by policies or been thought up by policies and that have actually stifled various communities for various different reasons. And so it's great that someone like Ritchie is is coming into this arena and, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of throw change into these thinking, into these policy thoughts, and hopefully will benefit our community and allow us to occupy even more space in some ways.
0: On occupying other spaces, another thing that another like person I've seen one of the CEOs of Canva Melanie Perkins is Filipino mm. from Australia. She's amongst the 2% of female CEOs in venture-backed companies and she even took it a step further, she implemented policies at Canva to eliminate bias in the hiring process. And they have a 41% female representation on Canva st- Canvas staff. Amazing. Like, that's just, wow. And Filipino. Yeah. Like, that's what I think of. All these, like, uh, policy changers, and it's so interesting. Like, you, when you brought that up a Retchy and links like that, there's so much more out
1: there, like, you know, in the diaspora. It is amazing how some of these policies do filter out us Mm -hmm. or our relatives or people we know in the Philippinex community, the Filipino-Filipina community? And how do these things change unless we actually start to occupy these spaces and go beyond what we're used to going beyond? How timely that we're talking about who's today's Filipino-Filipina-Filipinex, again, moving past the immigration stories, moving past these noble professions and doing things like policy changes that get to a point of actually reclaiming our activist hearts. Mm -hmm. And I I always think to myself, I love Philippine Airlines, like... (laughs) You know, Philippine Airlines, if you ever want to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> and I know that you're going through bankruptcy protection right now. And I really enjoyed your public service announcement to kind of allay and calm people's fears <laughs> as the flag carrier of the Philippines and stuff like that. And I have no doubt that Philippine Airlines is going to emerge being a phoenix out of all of this. Feel free to sponsor this podcast <laughs> right? or Let's... Collaborate. Mm. I'm sure Siggy and I would love to collaborate because I love flying with them anyway. Anytime I, you know, I get to go back to the Philippines. But I always kind of like do a bit of a chuckle because at the end of all of their in-service flight announcements, they say Philippine Airlines, heart of the Filipino. And I always think to myself, well, you really should say of all Filipinos or Filipinas yeah. or whatever the case may be. But it is interesting, right? Because they say that the heart of the Filipino, because that's about hospitality. Mm-hmm. And we're always known for hospitality. And what was really interesting was one time my mom was listening to our podcast and we were talking about revolutionaries and she was like saying, yeah, I, f- I totally forget that we're more than just hospitality as Philippine Airlines would, would have us believe, mm-hmm. right? That we also are good revolutionaries or we've had people in our history that have been re- revolutionaries and, and it's my mom, ironically enough, that was saying like she was the one that had the history lessons, you know, in school, learning about the revolutionaries and reclaiming again our activist hearts. And she was like saying, yes, we need to be like that. And I think to myself, today's Filipino, Filipina, Filipinex individual, we also have not only just a hospitable heart, but an activist heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something to kind of think about. We're more than just warm, accommodating people. We also have thoughts about social justice, thoughts about equality, thoughts about equity. We are indeed, just like everyone else, an equity-deserving group, Mm -hmm. and that we are thinking about this. This I don't know if there's anything to add to that, but this idea that even our podcast is a form of social justice, even getting our, our ourselves out there speaking and listening, people listening to us as well. We're hoping that this stirs within you some type of activism, some type of action, some search for social justice, because I think to myself, if we don't do anything, we're going to stay at a very particular level. And I'm always reminded of a study at York University where they did look at Filipino immigrants mm-hmm. and their children and how... Most other equity deserving groups had children that actually ascended their parents' equity. But with respect to Philippine X kids that and Filipino-Filipina kids, that didn't happen because these Filipino-Filipina Filipina and Philippine X kids would look at their parents and say, Well, why bother trying if my parents aren't successful? And that just saddens me. That just means that, you know, in some ways we are just waiting for hopefully others to kind of pave the route. And I think we have to do it ourselves. We have to kind of claim that.
0: That's well put. And I, I
1: feel like it's linking to another subject, like feature in our season. I think so. I yeah. think so. And I, what all of this is, and what all of this means, is, is that we are moving beyond our original values and yet still retaining them at the same time. But... It also means having the courage to what I think is a very uncertain world these days as we continue into year two of the pandemic, right, Mm -hmm. at, at this point. And as we get to year two of the pandemic, what a great way to kind of mark off Filipino Heritage Month in the United States, as well as season four, by really getting to this fixing of the week that have courage. Courage is the ability to act without the guarantee of success. Is, is how i would define it and we all just need to take action even if it's not going to work out and I don't know sigs if sometimes you have been sometimes shied away from taking opportunities I know sometimes i've been told by you know people like you know just just put your head down and do the work don't try to do something adventurous or too much for, because it's not a guarantee but what i'm starting to recognize is, is, is that you kind of have to have a bit of courage and sometimes take the risk like would you agree six
0: i absolutely agree like i sometimes you do have to take that risk with yeah. and sometimes the fact that you take it success in itself.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I think if we don't take that risk, then we don't pave a path for the people behind us. Right, And we got to push because there are like nine kids behind us that are hoping (laughs) that, you know, that we do well. And if we don't take that chance, if we don't find that courage, how is anyone going to succeed? And how are we all going to be able to kind of Have this uh, occupy a space on the pop culture landscape or occupy a place in Canadian society or occupy a place in the diaspora and be able to claim it proudly. So, you know, that kind of takes us to the fixing of the week, which is I would encourage everyone to take a positive risk and move beyond what the world thinks we are. That we are more than just accommodating and warm individuals who are quite hospitable when you come to our homes. We are that plus people with an activist heart, people that go beyond the noble professions, people think that we naturally occupy, and that our immigrations may be filled with struggles, but they're also filled with joy and with productivity and with flash and style, <laughs> this is what I would say. So take a positive risk and move beyond what the world thinks we are, is the fixing of And the that
0: world. is the best way to start off season four of the Hello Hello podcast what a great start we want to hear more from the listeners that are listening to our pop culture podcast for the past four years email mm. us at hollow hollow pop culture at gmail.com the hollow hollow podcast is available anywhere you can get podcasts rate us and please leave a review we want to get to 15,000 downloads we're close you can find us on social media our twitter handles at hollow hollow pop and we're on instagram at hollow hollow pop culture
1: finally we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian, our musical theme is by Cheltz and We'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you soon, guys.